Christmas is almost here, and many of us are thinking about our beloved traditions. For me, an army brat, growing up in Europe, it was always the season to enjoy going to the ballet, or a classical concert, musical theater, or a play with my family. After Christmas was most often a trip to a ski resort in Switzerland, Austria, or Germany. I grew up, moved to the States, and now have children of my own. And when my daughters were little, we would travel back east to visit the Italian family, always leaving time to go into the city to see the Rockettes, enjoy the breathtaking, majestic tree at Rockefeller Center, eat hot chestnuts, and ice skate joyfully, albeit a bit clumsily, to holiday music at the rink. On Christmas Eve, we would light a fire, bake cookies burn our hands making popcorn balls, then play games in the glistening lights of our own colorful tree with both heirloom and homemade decorations. Outside, a nativity scene reminded us of the true meaning of the holiday, and we always hunkered down to enjoy family time as we watched the angels rescue George Bailey in Frank Capra's It's a Wonderful Life, starring Jimmy Stewart and Donna Reed. I'm reminiscing that I was lucky to be able to spend time with both Frank Capra and Jimmy Stewart when I was directing the Sundance Film Festival. Mr. Capra told me, kiddingly, that I was a good girl, and we had many laughs together in those few days amidst Utah snowfalls. Before he left, he pinched my cheek and asked me to send him my copy of his book, The Name Above the Title, an autobiography, so he could write me a message in it. Life got away from me, the festival wrapped for another year, and I got back to work making movies. It would be years before I thought about that book again. I never got it signed before he passed away. So many beautiful traditions, memories, and thoughts hover around us at Christmas. It's a fact of life that many of our holiday traditions will be altered this year because of the lockdowns. Concert and theater venues, restaurants, stores, churches, gathering places worldwide are closing, and we will have to find other ways to celebrate the love we have for each other as we create memories. One theater troupe in Thousand Oaks, California, has been performing a brilliant version of Christmas Carol for many years, both in the theater and for schools in the area. In November, I reached out to them in the hopes that they would somehow be able to find a solution and continue sharing their creativity with young and old in their community. This story is not a sad one. It is a reminder of all the things we hold dear. It's time for OWC Radio. Tech Talk with Creatives. Conversations with host Serena Catania. This is Serena Catania with OWC Radio. I have an entire, well not an entire, but quite a few people who are active members and have for a long time been performing with the Thousand Oaks Repertory Company. Now it's very unusual to have this many people on the line at once, right guys? So we're probably going to be talking over each other and figuring out who's talking, but I don't care. And I'll tell you why I wanted to do this today. The pandemic has kept a lot of creative people from meeting in person, from rehearsing together, from performing together. And I grew up doing 
live local theater, like in the theater, and plays with people that I, that I ended up caring about very, very much. So it occurred to me that uh, Debbie Price, who produces OWC Radio, has been a longtime member. And I said to Debbie, I said, you think we could get some people from your theater group on and talk to them about how this is affecting them? So I'm going to real quick do a roll call. First of all, Debbie Price, who is also the producer of the OWC Radio, has been part of this for, what, 15 years now, many, many roles, Mrs. Fezziwig, opposite her dad, Terry Fishman, on occasion, and Mrs. Dilber in The Den of Thieves. She says she loves both of those roles, and she also does a couple of smaller ones, and that's what you do when you're in a repertory theater. In everyday life, she's the CEO of her own company, Majestic, and she produces podcasts. I worked with her for many years on the digital production Buzz, and she's also a co-producer for Cool Britannia, which is a small theater company concentrating on bringing British shows to American audiences. We also have Allison Chase Williams. Allison, are you there? I'm here. Good. Allison plays Belle and other characters in the same repertory company, and they perform a Christmas carol, and it's almost the holidays, so I want to find out what's going on with that. She's been part of the cast for six years, and hopefully many, many more. She participates in local theaters as a hobby, and when she's not on the stage, She's getting her master's in library and information science and currently works at a public library when not furloughed because of the pandemic. Will Burgos, am I pronouncing your name right? Burgos. Burgos. Will Burgos. Don't be too upset about it. Everybody gets it wrong. (laughs) Oh, you should see what happens with my name. Oh, my goodness. William is currently going to community college, and he's played a lot of exciting roles. He played Lancelot. The Brave in Monty Python's Spamalot and Gaston in Beauty and the Beast. And last year, he debuted with the Thousand Oaks Repertory Company, playing Fred, Scrooge's nephew. Vanessa Sickmeller, are you there? Am I pronouncing your name right? I'm here. Vanessa, hi. Thank you for doing this. You've been a full-time stay-at-home mom for 28 years. I just love that. You became involved with the Thousand Oaks Repertory Company with your children 14 years ago. Five of her seven children have been involved with the production, two of them playing Tiny Tim. That just warms my heart. More recently, you joined the acting cast, and then last year, your husband also debuted with the ensemble. So I think we can say the Thousand Oaks Theater is really a family affair, right? That's wonderful. Yeah. Terry, you are Debbie's father. Terry Fishman, are you here? I sure am, and uh, yes, I'm Debbie's father. Yay! (laughs) That's awesome. (laughs) I'm going to wait till we're off the line and I'm going to ask you all kinds of questions about what she was like growing up. Right, Debbie? (laughs) (laughs) So, Debbie. I'm not giving away secrets. Oh, my God. Terry, along with Alan Hunt, are the two most senior members of the Christmas Carol cast. They've performed an uninterrupted run of 23 straight years. What does that tell you about local theater? It's wonderful. He's played several roles during those years and has finally recently finished up as Mr. Fezziwig, where he plays opposite, as I mentioned before, Debbie. The annual production of Christmas Carol, he says, is the high point of the year for him. And I'm going to ask you about how you feel about that, Terry, when we get started here in a moment. In your everyday life, you're a realtor and broker and you own Cambridge Properties. Richard Winterstein, are you here? Or is it Winterstein or Winterstein? It's Stein. Winterstein, Richard, thank you for coming. You have been part of the cast for 15 years, and you've been playing the ghost of Christmas present and also Old Joe in the Den of Thieves scene. 
In his real life, you are a retired teacher. Welcome, everybody. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Can't talk over each other. Don't worry. It's like a group conference call. So who wants to start first? I want to ask you guys. Well, first of all, maybe, Debbie, you can tell us how it's working now that we have the pandemic. Are you doing anything for the Christmas Carol this year at all? Are you going to record things? What are you doing? I mean, how on earth can we keep this thing going? We have thrown around some ideas and still really throwing around ideas for either doing individual themes or just doing a straightforward reading. The problem is, it's not really a problem, it's a good thing. We get so much as a cast, we get so much out of doing the show and performing the show that we would have a ball if we got together if we were able to, and either on Zoom or anywhere else, and performed parts or all of the show. But I'm not sure that that would be interesting to watch as an outsider because the show is very, very visual. It's the story of Christmas Carol, and it's a Dickens show, and there's a lot that goes on that you just can't portray sitting behind the screen and doing that sort of thing. I'm not sure if we're going to just say... Let's just take a break, bad as it is, or whether we'll try and get something together. And that's where we're at at the moment. Obviously, as things ease up a little bit in November and December, then we'll, we'll see how we go. But right now, COVID has really stymied every attempt that we've made to get together. Yeah. Terry, how are you feeling about that? Well, it's a great shame. It breaks my heart that we've actually, this um, show, Christmas Carol, and this version has run not 23 years since I'd been a member, but actually 25. We celebrated it. It's just a shame that it's taken a break. And I know everybody's going to miss getting together. We've seen each other last week, although we haven't seen each other for a year between each performance. And it's so much fun to get together with everybody. And as I say, it just breaks my heart not being able to do it. But as Debbie said, it's really difficult to do it on on a Zoom show because it is visual and it's just a terrible, terrible shame that we have to break for a year. But I know we'll come back next year stronger than ever. I hope so. So, Richard, do you think if for some unheard of reason, maybe things break open and we are allowed to have repertory theater in person, do you think we could mount the show in time to do it? I don't know that you guys would have enough rehearsal time, would you? Almost assuredly we could. The only drawback, the adults would would fit in rather quickly, very quickly, within two days. But the children, it's a different story because there's so much timing and so much blocking they have to, and each year we seem to break in a new tiny Tim because the other one grows out of his crutch. Right. While Debbie was talking, I was sit- sitting here having a fantasy about doing it this year outdoors. But, you know, it's still an expensive show, even though it's sumptuously mounted when we perform it uh, in South Nook Repertory as theater. But there's a possibility this show could come off. I mean, if they allowed the theaters to open, the churches and restaurants are now open. When I walked by my church, and there it was, wide open, and you could go in as long as you observed six feet, and you had a mask. And uh, I was impressed with that. You know, there's a remote chance, probably not, because it costs a pretty penny to mount this thing. But there's always next year, and my favorite, one of my favorite parts of, and I want to answer this question because you asked Debbie and Terry, who I miss, you know, I'm going to miss those terribly. Uh-huh. We get together, and, and Alice, Will is brand new. But I love rehearsing. I love going to the rehearsals 
I was as, as excited about going to rehearsals during the week several times as I was just performing daily in the, in the shows when we actually put them on the stage in front of an audience. Uh, it's a family, and I miss my family. And Ed Hall is just, just wonderful and warm and loving, and he solidifies the cast. And Alan, what can you say? Alan Hunt, the director, is just uh, as creative as, as all get out. And he gives us a lot of free ways. And Cindy, as a producer, always makes sure that we're well taken care of. And it's a wonderful experience. I'm going to miss it terribly this year. But I have a feeling that we're all going to get together at some point to do something, or even if it's just a party. <laughs> you know? Oh, yeah. Don't worry. It's a real problem. With- I hope you invite me. Oh, I'll cool. come. <laughs> I'll drive up from San Diego. <laughs> problem with doing the thing this year, when I know we all love to do it, is just the facility. Pacific House Plaza is definitely not available. And so we'd have to move everything to a different facility. And just as Richard says, it's the kids. All of us could go on tomorrow if we had to. We've done it for so long. The adults, that is. The children are are more difficult to do. As Richard said, have to be rehearsed into a new role. It's tough. But somehow or other, I'm not sure that it's going to happen. And Ed is our Scrooge, and he is just phenomenal. And he's the linchpin of everything, so... He's just great. Yeah, Vanessa, you have so many kids. How's this affecting you? Are you homeschooling the kids or what's what's happening there? (laughs) They're having to do distance learning. I only have two that are still in public schools. I have a junior and I have a ninth grader. And they've been doing distance learning, and it's just not fun. They're, my kids are social people. Everybody can Mm. vouch for that. This has been heartbreaking for them, just the whole lockdown on everything. And then when I had to announce, well, there's not going to be a Christmas carol this year. That was devastating. My youngest is 14, so she's she's only known Christmas carol. She you know, came and saw it when she was 18 months old on my husband's knee. And then she joined the cast a few years later, and she was Tiny Tim, following her, her brother having been Tiny Tim for so many years. This is part of our, our life. This is a family tradition. And I'm going to follow what everyone else is saying. It's like family. It's a family reunion. And my kids look forward to the rehearsals almost as much as the actual show. And being kids, they change their roles as they grow out of Tiny Tim or out of whatever part it is and grow into new roles. So it's also an adventure each year to find out, oh, who am I going to be? Where, what scene will I be in this year? Who will I be you know, acting with? It's been tough. It's another thing that's been pulled out from underneath them. So it's been kind of weird. Even like my whole family traditions along with going through November and then December, we've always done family gatherings around when the play was going to be. But my extended family knew we weren't available this week because we're doing the play. So it's kind of weird. Like, what are we going to do this year? A lot of acting companies are doing table reads now. It's not the same thing, but, right. you know, we're going to have to put put all of our heads together, and maybe there's some way I could also help you guys figure out how to do something, even if it's only part of it, you know? William, you're new to the company, fairly new to the company. How are you feeling? A big part of the disappointment for me was before, obviously, there were pre-established relationships and friendships before I came to the company. And once you're, like, integrated into that and you feed off everyone else's personality, you get, like, to understand the relationships between people. You like to see others interact with each other, interact with you. It becomes very disappointing and disheartening when you learn that 
oh yeah, that those plans of, you know, doing that again next year all over again and developing even more deeper friendships with those people and getting more experience with them and getting to know them even better is just totally thrown out the window by some crazy event. It is. It's crazy. Allison, how about you? I want to hear from you too. I agree with what everyone has said, going to the rehearsals and just the anticipation of getting to see everybody and not getting to do that this year, the thing that you always kind of look forward to is really, really disappointing. Some of these people I only get to see once a year. So it's really sad. Have you thought about what you would propose as an alternative? Do you have any thoughts about that? I think like a Zoom table read could work. Like it would be a lot of planning. I think it would be fun like doing it outside. If we could make that work would be really fun. Where are all the costumes during the year? Are they stored in one place or do people have them and bring their own? No, no, they get stored in a central place and then Cindy, our producer, brings everything in and it's like being being reunited with an old friend. You suddenly (laughs) find your cloak and your, your hats and your scarves and then all the kids lose their gloves or their scarves. And, of course, what we're trying to portray is cold London and outside, and the kids run on stage without a hat and constantly saying to them, where's your hat, where's your scarf? Same things happen every year, and it's almost warming to know that. But, uh, yeah, Cindy brings the costumes in every year. Well, kids will be kids. Yeah, they will. (laughs) Vanessa, I'm sure you can identify with this. Do you remember what the lost and found boxes look like at school? Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, well, all the parents backstage, that's our job then as they're all getting ready to leave the green room to say, show me your gloves, show me your scarf, we're everybody's mom, making sure all the kids have what they need. But yeah, we get on stage and we're suddenly scrambling and I've got extra gloves in my pocket knowing that somebody forgot theirs. Good for you. Spoken like a true mom. The parents are a huge part of the cast, as it were, because there's no way that we can all look after all those kids. So basically they're there. They get used to doing things like making dead kids, which sounds weird. Obviously, there's this, the cemetery scene with Scrooge in the cemetery with all the kids. And so the parents get involved with rapidly making up these kids with white makeup and black eyes. And the speed at which they do it is phenomenal. I've seen new parents integrated into this whole process where they're taught, okay, this is what we do. We stand here and we make these faces white and we make those eyes black and they're an integral part of the whole show. So for the group, I wanted to ask you why you love doing community theater. What does it do? We've talked about the camaraderie and the group and the and the relationships, but there's is there any other reason why you would do it? Like, are any of you wanting to, to do other types of acting? Like, do you do TV or film or other live theater productions with other companies? Do you want to talk about that? I think from from my point of view, that's where my soul is. I mean, I may be in business and enjoy doing what I do, and I really enjoy putting people in new homes. But when it comes to the stage, that's where my soul is, and that's where I kind of really come alive. I wouldn't survive without it. And uh, it's been a really tough year, not having something to fall back on and uh, drive me forward uh, every day to a new show or a new production. And, and I'm, I'm pretty old, and I've been around quite some time, and I've done a lot of shows in a, in a lot of different venues, but not having somewhere to go and some show to, to concentrate on is really, really hard. And I, I want to say that my biggest regret about this whole thing is 
not for me because I'd do it again and, and most of us have. It's for the children and for particularly the young adults who are just graduating and they've come up to their last year of school and they're going to be the lead in furniture or other and it just goes away. It's gone. And I know the same thing happened with, with football, but I'm not into football at all. But it's just such a shame that uh, these um, young people didn't have the opportunities that we had, but everybody else had in previous years. And that's what, to me, one of the biggest drawbacks or problems that has arisen, arisen out of a COVID situation. So, Will and Allison, you're the young members of the troupe here today. Do you do other acting gigs, or have you been acting before you got involved in this production? Yeah, I've been acting since I was in preschool, and my parents got me into it. So I did it all through school. It's always been a hobby. It was never something I wanted to do professionally. But yeah, I did college theater and community theater and Christmas Carol and... I've always loved it. Why do you think you love it so much? I really love stories, like in kind of any form. And with theater, I feel it goes back a little bit to the oral tradition of coming together and telling the story to a group of people, and you really bond over doing that. So getting to be a part of this storytelling is really exciting for me. I've done theater since junior year of high school. That's when I got into it, and I've done several shows since then. And I think what I like about doing theater is just being able to entertain people. There's two kind of aspects to it. I really love to entertain people and to make people experience emotion and whatnot. And then I also like theater because it gives me something to do, especially leading up to the first show I ever did in high school. I kind of just didn't do anything. I spent a lot of time just doing nothing, just kind of sitting around and playing video games or whatever. And theater gave me a chance to like get out and do something. I know from my experience, I haven't done it in many years, but I spent, oh, many years working wherever I live. I was raised in the military. I'm an army brat. But wherever I went, I always made sure to get involved in the local theater troupe. It was a way to fantasize and be somebody different, you know, and just enter into a new world with people that you become very attached to. And there's always that feeling at the last night. I don't know how you guys feel about this, but the very last night, the last show, and then curtain call, and then you look around and it's over. And that's all it's always a little bit a little bit sad at that moment, right? Totally. I and mean, we always have withdrawal symptoms. We always send emails to each other post show and, you know, just saying how difficult it is to get back to reality. Because we've been immersed in this uh, fantasy world for so long and the family has been so close, spending almost every day with each other and going through the ups and downs of rehearsals and getting the show mounted. And then it all stops very abruptly and you feel very like you've lost something. So there's a bereavement process that you go through. Yeah, well, we have to figure out a, a way to keep all of these creative endeavors alive during this pandemic somehow. You know, I just want to throw something out at you guys. Audio productions, audio documentaries, audio theater is actually becoming quite popular now. People love it. It's a, you know, it's an alternative. You might want to do more of a performance-oriented table read and perhaps do some kind of a documentary-style reading of it with effects and that kind of thing, just to put it on as an alternative for people that they could at least listen to it. Just something to think about. Yeah. Um, 
I just want to point out one aspect of our play that's lost this year is our daytime performances are done for schools. And so many students are reading A Christmas Carol and putting on A Christmas Carol at their school, which they probably won't be doing this year. So that's an element that's lost, that these kids aren't getting the opportunity. Some of them, this is their only opportunity to see a live stage production. And they actually get to talk to the performers after the show. And we will come out on stage and they can ask questions about, you know, how do you do a quick change? How do you memorize your lines? And so all those kids are missing out on this year. And you're suggesting an audio performance. They would lose so many of the elements of a play through that. And it's sad. There's nothing we can do to remedy that this year for those kids. But some of these kids, this is when maybe they get that interest in, I want to do plays. I want to, I want to do acting. I want to do directing. I want to do costuming. If we think of all the things that are lost this year, that's something that I see that's lost for so many of these kids. Just wanted to point that out. Well, there's a lot of technology available. Maybe we can think of some way of helping you guys get this out there so that people can at least see it in some fashion. Have you videotaped prior performances or not? I know there's one. Gosh, how long ago was that? Yeah, I've been in it six times, but I I skip years sometimes from work. Okay. I don't know what the solution is for all of you, but I just I'm sending every single one of you a big, huge hug. And Debbie, you and I need to talk offline because my crazy mind is thinking of a few potential alternatives. We can talk about it. And I'm sure that if we went to your local community and we told them about the desire to somehow do an alternative version of this, sort of, we'll say, the pandemic version of Christmas Carol, that maybe you could elicit the help of other people in the community. And I did want to ask you, how many people are involved? Because it takes a lot of people behind the scenes to make something like this happen. So how many people are being impacted by this this year? Let me think now. There's probably about 25 cast members in total. And then there's obviously the crews from the theater, the stagehands. And then you've got the parents. For the parents, yeah. 50 to 60 people involved. Yeah, about that. Producer, costumes, and there's there's sound effects and music involved too or not? I mean, obviously, right? And visual effects. and I mean, it takes a lot to put a performance like this together. So it is affecting a lot of people. But you know what? There's one thing about creative people like you guys. You're resilient, and there's a lot of love behind you, and somehow... Uh, between all of you and all of the people you can recruit, I'm sure that, that there's something that can be done, even if it's a compromise this year, but something that can be done to help share this wonderful thing that you're doing with your potential audiences and, and with the school kids that love it so much. Is there anything else that you guys want to say before I sound off here? Richard here. We're all family. But there are <laughs> families within this family. Uh, my son was 19 years old when he first joined this company 15 years ago, and he's been with it as long as I have. He only missed one year several years ago, but he's been with it ever since, and he plays multiple roles in the show, and he has gone from just a tiny walk-on with one line to starring roles in it now, and uh, I'm going to miss that camaraderie with my son. Uh, Travis used to always say, and he still said, that this is my dad and mine's version of going fishing together. Right. And I, I love Aww. that, the way he says that, and, and it's true. Uh, even though we have fished together <laughs> minimally, but we've been on stage in many, many shows together, and 
this is one of his loves. He really loves this show. And it, we were just talking about the other night how much he's going to miss it this year and all the family who loves him dearly, too. It's a great thing. I'm going to miss it. And hopefully, maybe we can take a cue from Michael Jordan and perform one of these things in a park somewhere where there's an amphitheater. That's a possibility. Who knows? Everything needs to be explored. Thank you all so much for doing this. Yeah. Serena, I think our hearts go out to all the the actors, both professional and non-professional, who are scrambling around to try and make a living, but also to keep themselves busy. A number of our cast members are actual working actors and are finding life pretty tough right now. Christmas Carol has had a, a history of actually getting some really great names. We had a long-running several seasons with uh, Walter Koenig, who is probably best known for playing Chekhov in Star Trek. But to say, a number of our actors right now are actually working, and uh, our hearts go out to them, and hopefully the, the whole industry will ease up a bit and we'll be able to get back to doing what we love. Yeah, let's hope so. I thank all of you so much for taking time to do this with us today, and we're going to share this with all of our friends and family, and hopefully we'll be able to think of an alternative for this year. And if not, then just know that we'll all be thinking about you, and we appreciate what you've been doing for so many years. It's very, very important. So Debbie, Allison, William, Vanessa, Terry, and Richard, thank you, thank you, thank you. Bless you all. But hopefully we'll all talk again soon. And Debbie, let's you and I talk offline. I, I think I might have some ideas. Thank you, Serena. Thank you. you. Nice to meet all of you again, and take care. Thanks for doing this. Bye-bye. As you have most likely surmised, the play, although it must, as we say, go on, it did not go on. And then this message came in from Debbie recently. It was with a heavy heart learned recently that one of their Christmas Carol family had passed away. David Himes has been a member of the cast since about 1995 and had regularly played the role of Marley and also Old Joe. He dedicated his life to acting and it was one of the ways in which he was able to express himself fully. David had also done some film work, but his heart was in Shakespeare and he performed often with the Kingsman's Shakespeare Company for many years. He also took great joy in working with young actors, offering them advice and guidance as he appeared in several high school productions in Ventura County. David was an accomplished artist, and many members of the Christmas Carol family have artwork that he designed and presented to them, and they keep them as precious mementos. The Christmas Carol held a private tribute to David on what would have been their opening night for the 2020 season, December 11th of this year. Another tribute is planned for the public in January, and we'll keep you advised about that. So the moral of the story today is love with all your heart. Enjoy every moment in your life. Appreciate, no, savor all that you have. And get your book signed before it's too late. This is Serena Catania wishing you a very Merry Christmas and an even happier New Year. And this is Mark Robillard. The snow is falling 
And the cold wind is blowing hard I'm locked inside tonight But my heart is somewhere else I'm thinking of you, babe And all your crazy ways I miss you more right now It must be these holidays You know you're my everything The only present I want And oh, what I give to be with you Under the mistletoe Merry Christmas, Merry Christmas Yeah, I got you on my mind Merry Christmas from a distance I wish you were here tonight Merry Christmas, Merry Christmas Yeah, I got you on my mind Merry Christmas from a distance I wish you were here tonight Oh, what I give to have you here, my dear We could sing and laugh about our wonderful year I can see it now, yeah, your lips stained from the wine And that sweet smile you have, your hand in mine You know you're my everything, the only present I want Give to be with you under the mistletoe. Merry Christmas, Merry Christmas. I got you on my mind. Merry Christmas from a distance. I wish you were here tonight. Merry Christmas, Merry Christmas. Yeah, I got you on my mind. Merry Christmas. From a distance, I wish you were here tonight. I'm dreaming you home for the holidays. I'm dreaming you home right now. I'm dreaming you home because you're all I really want. I'm dreaming. Merry Christmas, Merry Christmas Yeah, I got you on my mind Merry Christmas from a distance I wish you were here tonight Merry Christmas, Merry Christmas Yeah, I got you on my mind Merry Christmas from a distance I wish you were here tonight Merry Christmas, Merry Christmas Yeah, I got you on my mind Merry Christmas from a distance I wish you were here tonight